The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine. Book 3, The Girondins. Chapter 7, In Fight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 3, Chapter 7, In Fight. Our Republic, by paper decree, may be one and indivisible, but what profits it while these things are? Federalists in the Senate, renegados in the army, traitors everywhere. France, all in desperate recruitment since the 10th of March, does not fly to the frontier, but only flies hither and thither. This defection of contemptuous diplomatic du Maurier falls heavy on the fine-spoken, high-sniffing homme d'état whom we consorted with, forms a second epoch in their destinies. Or perhaps, more strictly, we might say, the second Girondin epoch, though little noticed then, began on the day when, in reference to this defection, the Girondins broke with Danton. It was the first day of April. Dumouriez had not yet plunged across the morasses to Coburg, but was evidently meaning to do it, and our commissioners were off to arrest him, when what does the Girondin La Source see good to do but rise and jesuitically question and insinuate at great length whether a main accomplice of Dumouriez had not probably been Danton? Gironde grins sardonic assent, mountain holds its breath. The figure of Danton, Levasseur says, while this speech went on, was noteworthy. He sat erect with a kind of internal convulsion, struggling to keep itself motionless, his eye from time to time flashing wilder, his lip curling in titanic scorn. La Source, in a fine-spoken, attorney manner, proceeds. There is this probability to his mind, and there is that probabilities which press painfully on him, which cast the patriotism of Danton under a painful shade, which painful shade he, La Source, will hope that Danton may find it not impossible to dispel. Les cries Danton, starting up with clenched right hand, La Source having done, and descends from the mountain like a lava flood, his answer not unready. La Source's probabilities fly like idle dust, but leave a result behind them. Ye were right, friends of the mountain, begins Danton, and I was wrong. There is no peace possible with these men. Let it be war, then. They will not save the Republic with us. It shall be saved without them, saved in spite of them. Really a burst of rude parliamentary eloquence, this, which is still worth reading in the old Moniteur. With firewords, the exasperated, rude titan rives and smites these Girondins. At every hit, the glad mountain utters chorus. Marat, like a musical beast, repeating the last phrase. Lazos's probabilities are gone, but Danton's pledge of battle remains lying. A third epoch, or scene in the Girondin drama, or rather it is but the completion of this second epoch, we reckon from the day when the patience of virtuous Pétion finally boiled over, and the Girondins, so to speak, took up this battle-pledge of Danton's and decreed Marat accused. It was the 11th of the same month of April, on some effervescence rising such as often rose, and President had covered himself, mere bedlam now ruling, and Mountain and Gironde were rushing on one another with clenched right hands and even with pistols in them, when, behold, the Girondin du Perret drew a sword. 
shriek of horror rose, instantly quenching all other effervescence at sight of the clear murderous steel, whereupon Dupere returned it to the leather again, confessing that he did indeed draw it, being instigated by a kind of sacred madness, Saint Fureur, and pistols held at him but that if he parasitically had chanced to scratch the utmost skin of national representation with it, he too carried pistols, and would have blown his brains out on the spot. But now, in such posture of affairs, virtuous Pétion rose next morning to lament these effervescences, this endless anarchy invading the legislative sanctuary itself, and here, being growled at and howled at by the mountain, his patience, long tried, did, as we say, boil over, and he spake vehemently, in high key, with foam on his lips. Whence, says Marat, I concluded he had got la rage, the rabidity, or dog-madness. Rabidity smites others, rabid, so there rises new foam-lipped demand to have anarchists extinguished, and specially to have Marat put under accusation. Send a representative to the revolutionary tribunal, Violate the inviability of a representative? Have a care, O oh friends. This poor Marat has faults enough, but against liberty or equality, what fault? That he has loved and fought for it, not wisely but too well? In dungeons and cellars, in pinching poverty, under anathema of men, even so in such fight has he grown so dingy, bleared, even so has his head become a stylites one. Him you will fling to your sword of sharpness, while Coburg and Pitt advance on us, fire-spitting. The mountain is loud, the Gironde is loud and deaf. All lips are foamy. With permanent session of twenty-four hours, with vote by roll-call and a dead-lift effort, the Gironde carries it. Marat is ordered to the Revolutionary Tribunal to answer for that February paragraph of forestallers at the door-lintel with other offences, and, after a little hesitation, he obeys. Thus is Danton's battle-pledge taken up. There is, as he said there would be, war without truce or treaty, ni trêve ni composition. Wherefore, close now with one another formula and reality, in death-grips, and wrestle it out. Both of you cannot live, but only one. End of Book 3, Chapter 7